Welcome to Expanding Beyond. Uh, this is our pre-Christmas episode, so I don't know. Merry Christmas, almost. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I'm here again with my mulled wine. I, I guess it's the next uh, bottle, but yeah. <laughs> More to come, I guess. I'm here with my not being hungry because I just ate too much at lunchtime and so much sugar. <laughs> Christmas is one of my, probably my favorite period in, in the year. So Yeah. I mean, we are already moving away from all the sweet stuff, doing other more savory stuff by now, because no one really wants to eat the, all the cookies and sweet <laughs> things <You> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I just got started. So <laughs> I actually got right. started with your cookies. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, following in your footsteps. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so this is, uh, a, I guess, a special episode for us because it's the first that we are probably going to spend only on one question from mm. a listener. So this is Eric from the US. He's a pen pal of mine and a fountain pen enthusiast as well. That's how I got to know him. And he's also a, a web developer. And he's one of our listeners of the podcast. Um, maybe I start out by uh, reading out his question and we can mm -hmm. go from there. Hello, I love your podcast. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts or advice on coordinating work across a large range of time zones. Well, first of all, thank you for liking our podcast. It's always great to hear feedback mm -hmm. like that. I've suddenly found myself leading a small team with one person, soon to be two, in Central European time. Two of us in US Central Time on, and one in US Pacific Time. Is it best to try to work to all work similar hours, arrange a small overlap to coordinate, but otherwise try to work our own hours? Should we reorganize w with parts of the large organization so uh, we can have teams located in separate time zones? Right now we're making the very big, big ask of our new Polish colleagues to shift their hours to central time as we try to onboard them, but that doesn't seem like a good idea in the longer term. I'm coming from a team that was already spread across four, all four continental US time zones, and we tended to all sort of work our local hours and try to plan meetings for times when we were all available. This usually meant someone ha having an oddly timed lunch, but was otherwise workable. Thanks, Eric. Yes, that is an interesting and Kind of large topic. Any any thoughts? <laughs> First of all, Eric, thank you so much for uh, your email. Um, I know I haven't answered your email. <laughs> I plan to. And it's in my draft. <laughs> I completely zoned out. I was 100% sure, like Urban now knows, um, that I answer the, the email. I do that also with messages. If I read something and I don't reply immediately, it's 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 gone like my brain is like pew. um so for that i apologize and uh, i'm extremely thankful for uh for the question i will also answer in in private um with a longer response and second do i have some thoughts i had so many thoughts um i was telling you that uh i was trying to put my thoughts down around this topic but there's just so many layers and um The answer I came up with is, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> What a surprise. I know, right? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> um, 
oh, where do where, where should I start? So you're telling me that it's a small team with two people in uh, CET, two in U.S. Central, and two in and one in U.S. Pacific. Should you all work similar hours? I tried to plan a call with one person in U.S. Central, one person in U.S. Pacific, and me here in Central Time. It took us two weeks. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> um, I mean, I, at the top of my head, I, I can't remember the difference, like the time difference in there. But I think in the end, it's going to be uncomfortable for at least two parties and one is going to be happy. So I really like the fact that you also listed that part because look at all the possibilities. That's smart. Uh, seriously, I don't think it's it's visible. If you want to have like eight hours of work, it's going to be uncomfortable in the end. I think it's a mm -hmm. very good idea for the onboarding part, at, at least. I mean, it's uncomfortable, but onboarding usually is a little bit lighter on, on workload uh, for the people in uh, uh, in Central European time. So um, that makes sense. At least they get FaceTime and they get immediate response so they're not blocked and, and so on. But I agree with you that it doesn't seem like a good idea in the longer in the longer term. Um, and my personal experience, um, so we had two colleagues working from the US for uh, three to four months during the first lockdown. And why why I say it depends because in our case it was um, people that had to be there for meetings. Uh, so to coordinate with the rest of the leadership group, management group of the team, let's call it that way. Um, and that made everybody's life very difficult um, because for the people in the U.S., they had to wake up very, very early, um, it's like five. Uh, at mm -hmm. seven, you would have the very first meeting and you're barely awake. And for the people here in Europe, it meant that we only would get half a day uh, worth of uh, FaceTime. So it would make our schedule very erratic and, and difficult to coordinate with the rest of the company because you also have to imagine that you work with other teams. So, mm -mm. but I think it's possible for to, to adjust and to do it for a reasonable amount of time. Um, and you just work other hours unless you unlock the mother load, you are able to actually work fully remote and asynchronous with, with the others. So that's where the uh, next layer would come into place uh, for me. So if you are really able to work asynchronous with others, then you seriously don't care. Um, mm. But it's something that requires a lot, a lot of discipline because it means that everything has to be written down. Everything has to be um, handed over. Um, so at the end of your day, people should know when you're in. They should know where you're out. They should know where to when to have access uh, to you um, and the like. So, um, yeah, ideally, there's that. Should you reorganize with other parts of the larger organization? Possible? I Again, it depends. Uh, <laughs> do you want to? I mean, if you like your team and, and you work well together, should you? Um, can you find other ways? Yeah. Maybe you can also see it uh, the other way around. Maybe it's actually uh, an advantage if 
if you're basically working 24 hours a day, essentially. Yes, yes. That's, um, that's a very clever point. Especially if you have to have on call, that, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Like you are covered all around. I mean, in this yeah. case, it's not all around, but, you know, close pretty enough. close. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what we are doing, basically. Mm -hmm. We are uh, four developers here in Europe, and then there's one in the US. And that basically gives us almost 24-hour coverage for outages and stuff. So we very rarely have to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> I mean, not that in the US night much happens for a system that's basically running in in Europe, but yeah, yeah. And yeah, so what what I what I've noticed is that onboarding and stuff like that is it's kind of important. I mean, ideally, if it wasn't was if it's not weren't twenty twenty you could probably uh, fly in your new colleagues and then meet in person yeah. for a, a week or two at least. If it wasn't 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or maybe 2021. Let's see how long it takes. Mm. Um, we also didn't do that. Um, but what helped us, I think, was that we made sure that, for example, our retros are at times where everyone is basically around. So for Europe, that's basically pretty late, 4 or 5 p.m., and then our developer in the in the US could join. It's a bit early for him still, seven, eight in the morning or something, but it's it's doable. And I think that that helped because I think one of the issues is that you don't really become one team, but you sort of turn into two smaller sub teams that yeah. are don't really know enough about each other. And then you're sort of you complain about the others instead of knowing that person on the other end and wrote the code and you're sure that it's just a nice person and it's just a mistake and it wasn't intentional and stuff like that because that can uh, go downhill pretty quickly if you're not careful. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, there are, there are fun team activities that you can even do online these days. Absolutely. So we yeah. did a, a virtual escape room, mm -hmm. which was fun. There's also those... Um, Pictionary or drawing games oh, that you can do online. Oh, those are so fun. And they are fun. You can, you open a video call and you do that together on the side. And yes. That's also, that helps a lot, I think. Yeah, with my team, we do that almost, I think it's once every couple of weeks in the evening. <laughs> uh, one evening we dedicate to, to gaming. On Tuesdays, we have half an hour that is like coffee tea time. And someone just drops the links like, oh, let's have a couple of, uh, matches and it's usually fun. Yeah, yeah. We we also had a couple of events uh, this year, uh, and one was a cocktail class. Uh, <laughs> it didn't end up well. <laughs> <laughs> if you're the only one and you have access to the whole bottle of alcohol, yes, I yes. can imagine. <laughs> and I mean, it was the first time for all of us making cocktails, but one uh, person and. We weren't aware how strong those cocktails were. Like the 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 teacher, the the bartender, said something like, "And that's a shitload." I swear to God, that's what he said. Uh, that's a shitload of gin. We didn't realize <laughs> that he was genuinely <laughs> saying the truth. <laughs> so it was an interesting night. Um, and then we had a um, Colombian uh, cooking evening. Uh, okay. So we made uh, arepas at uh, home and empanadas. It was pretty fun. 
Nice. Uh, and tasty. Um, so, yes, definitely there's, uh, there's plenty of things that you can do to make a remote team feel like it's a team. Um, and that is, I mean, it's called a team for a reason, right? Like, you should be able at some point to, um, if you want to have a performing team, in my opinion, you should have a team that is aligned on the way they feel about each other and the way they feel about the way they work. So what I what I mean by this is that, for example, my team has a pretty def- defined character. We're goofy, we're funny, we talk a lot, we're very self-reflective, we play together, we spend time together, and we like that, generally uh, like that. And I'm not saying because this because I can fire half of the team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only half of the team. Oh, no, no. More than, more than half. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, there's other teams that instead they have a very different character. They are more reserved. Uh, they prefer to uh, just, you know, stay on point and talk about work. That works for them and that's perfectly fine. But why doing something different if that's the way you roll? And it's working. That's the important part. So there is that. So you have to find ways for your team to feel like they are a team and they are aligned. It's not necessary to be all goofy around about about things or necessarily to enjoy free time beside work time. But you have to have that kind of, you know, common feeling. We are, okay, if you want to be seriously, seriously... um, going above and beyond like you should know exactly what your teammates are doing without even asking for it it's like mm-hmm. you should completely and blindly trust them uh, because that's how you delegate and how you let it go yeah it's not that easy uh, because we are also humans uh, and we don't pick the people that are in the team with us <laughs> usually those people are picked for us so it it can be difficult but that's, that should be the idea. And if being a well-oiled machine of Navy SEALs works for you, sure, why not? Um, so the, the onboarding and keeping the team feeling the way they feel about themselves, that is extremely important if you have a fully remote team, like distributed re- remote team uh, yeah. like uh, like this one. Yeah, and I want to stress the point you already made before is sort of that it's important to know when people are working, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're that distributed and we all know that time zones are hard, it's just basically impossible to know when you are in that time zone, when are the other people working? So that's one thing that we also found helpful that everyone basically defines for themselves when they are working. Basically, we just used a Google spreadsheet and sort of defined and sort of drew in bars for everyone so that you can see where's the overlap. Mm-hmm. And I think That's that helped because then it's also easier to to know when to schedule meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want to make sure that either everyone is working or you pick a time where it's for the people that aren't working, it's as close as possible to yeah. their working hours that it's not like in the middle of the night for them or stuff like that. Exactly. Unless they are, of course people that work in the night and then it's fine again i guess yeah exactly so from from one perspective from one point of view i understand why um people would 
define working hours and would share those. If we're talking, though, about going seriously, full distributed and full remote, in theory, that shouldn't even be necessary. It's like, yeah. what I'm trying to say is that it requires definitely a lot of discipline. But in an ideal world, you should be able, well, you should allow other people to work without depending on you. So when, when I was saying that people would chime in and say, hey, I'm working right now, this would allow other people to know that they are available for, you know, uh, immediate response, um, face-to-face conversations, stuff like that. But it also requires a lot of discipline because when you're not there, you shouldn't be the one blocking the team. I remember it was my first job. I wasn't even graduated. So this was my uh, six months of internship that I was needing before graduating. And I was working for a small software house uh, in uh, in a town close to mine. It was the days we were working in, uh, most of us in C uh, Sharp, some of us in VisualBasic.net. So, you know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the dude liked that version and actually .NET doesn't really care as long as it compiles to the same stuff. That's your flavor. You do whatever. Um, so I remember this one guy, uh, he went home and his home is like 50 minutes away from the office. The The way Microsoft version control back then was working was that if you didn't check in your uh, your changes, it was impossible for other people because they were residing on your laptop or like on your computer <laughs> to check those in. So guess who didn't check in? Uh, the Even like version control for Microsoft.net worked in a way that it would literally lock the file. So it was impossible to work on it for anyone else. So people couldn't even make changes. It's like, okay, he's just gone for the day, whatever, we're just going to do whatever we need to do uh, without him. It's not possible to work on the file. That's what I remember. So (laughs) folks out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I remember. So (laughs) he had to actually come back and then go home again um, and also be berated by the seniors in the office um, (laughs) because he forgot actually again about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't the first time. so that's uh, that's the thing. Like you shouldn't be blocking the team from actually being productive. So that's why I was saying that writing everything down is extremely important, or um, discussing things out in the open. If there was one thing that I would cancel from the face of Earth, it would be private channels in uh, Slack. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I've been using them, and I do use them, and I understand their their importance also for uh sensitive or private conversations that that's okay yeah but the default should be public yeah exactly like if it's about something the team is working on do yourself a favor and put that stuff out there it's already bad enough that we're using slack that it's a chat tool to talk about work stuff that should be persisted somewhere else um but at least it's written down Let, let's put yeah. it this way um and it's not just you know one face-to-face meeting um but yeah so there's that um but it's um 
it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Um, and as as a team lead and and as a as a manager, I understand that people do that as in in a form of self defense. That brings us to a whole other forest of problems, like making the space feel safe. That's usually a failure from our part as managers. It's like it means that people don't feel safe um, yeah. speaking out loud, and there's that. Um, sometimes we just have to accept that and and try to make it work somewhere, somewhere, somehow else. Um, but yeah, so from what I heard from people that have been working remotely for a very long time and only remotely, that that's that's how it is. It should be out in the open. It should be um, as clear as possible, and it's mentally it's a check in and check out uh, of the day. It's like okay, my teammates they don't need me uh, to to keep working. <laughs> Yeah, I'm currently, uh, I have the index or, or the table of contents of that one book I was going to recommend open. And mm -hmm. there's one like one chapter says it's called Avo Avoid Chaos with Insufficient Hours of Overlap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's there's a, a something where it says create psychological safety in your team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, we talked about that. Check. <laughs> Build consensus for team communication preferences. Yes. Check. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah. So I was going to recommend that book. Um, mm -hmm. I have to admit, I only read the first two chapters and then I got stuck. I might continue at some point, but it's sort of when, when I heard about that, I directly thought of it. Um, it, Uh, it's called From Chaos to Successful Distributed Agile Teams by Joanna Rothman and Mark Kilby. And basically that's where this defining office hours when people are working, this is where I got that from. And I'm sure there are many more things that could be interesting because that's basically the whole topic of, of that book is to say, this is sort of the in the future that will happen more and more that you have teams that are distributed And maybe they're even distributed in across larger time zones. I remember it talks about the effects this has, the less uh, hours of overlap you have, what this does to the team, how how you need to change, how, how that affects everything. So That's interesting. I think that might be a, an interesting book to look at. I'm sure there are others, but I think at the time I, I mm, just picked that. that one out. Yeah. And I, I guess it's just... I mean, it's just it's just different, right? You have to you have to accept that you need to work differently when yes. people are distributed like that. So sometimes you have to give up a certain style of working. You, like you said, you probably have to do more stuff async, write stuff a bit more down, a bit more. Maybe you can't ex uh, expect pull requests to get reviewed uh, in one hour. Maybe they take a day. Maybe you need to change how big you make your stories in that sense, then maybe this has also affects some that stuff. Or maybe you just need to change your process and say, hey, if someone reviews it and they say it's fine, then they deploy it. Maybe that also works and stuff like yeah. that. So. Ah, so you also uh, have this thing that if you wrote the PR, you also deploy it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think it's fair. 
But in the end, I mean, with us, it's just clicking the button, right? There isn't more to do. <laughs> I mean, oh, let's it's only if it kind of warm. It, it's only if it breaks, then you have the issues. If you didn't write the code, I guess that's that's the downside. If you don't, that that's what I was about to say. <laughs> like accepting the PR and deploying it. Is it really only about deploying it? There was this one thing that my my boss was telling me all the time back in the days, and now I understand what he meant. Like, that's not when you're done. It's like, you own the code until the very end. So if you deploy and you don't monitor, you're failing then. So you can deploy, but you should also own it afterwards. There are... There are bugs, there's uh, issues. So you should make sure also that once it's out there, you follow it through and see, does it hold? Yes, I just fixed yesterday or the day before. I, fi <laughs> I fixed the bug that I introduced maybe three weeks ago. <laughs> But of course it was faster for me because I basically could almost guess w what I did wrong, right? Instead mm -hmm. of someone else having to dig through the code. For half good. a day. One thing about what you said before about um, uh, or uh, about writing things down and uh, what I said about Slack private channel. Um, so fundamentally agreeing with the team how you share information. That's um, that's what we did not long ago, like a couple of weeks ago with uh, with my team. One of our developer and our uh, UX manager uh, designer. Uh, they got together to uh, figure out in our team, how do we want our communication flow to, to work? Because in a few of our retros, and frankly, I was one of the people that was the most loud about it, uh, we like the topic of how it was difficult to uh, find uh, the single source of truth, if there was any, um, and how it was difficult to retrieve information if the person wasn't there. Um, this yeah. was was popping up all the time. Um, so what we in the end, what we what we are agreeing at the moment, and we'll see how it works, is that for the things we are currently working on, I mean, this is all theory, right? Like in practice, it might work slightly slightly different, but that's the gist of it. So if it's something we are currently working on, the single source of truth is Jira. Stuff should be in at least a user story, if not even better in an epic, if it's something even bigger than just a user story. Mm -hmm. It should be in the comments. It should be reported in there. The information, though, can be collected and um, uh, present in many other channels. It could be in Figma. It could be uh, in uh, code, of course. It could be in Slack, it could be in emails, whatnot. The important part is as soon as you get a piece of information that it's supposed to become more permanent, you share it with the other people in the Jira ticket. Yeah. For things that really need to be permanent, because we also know that Jira is not that easy. Like it's not a <laughs> it's not it's a, a black hole. Yes. Exactly. Like it's not a content management system, right? Um so It's not supposed to contain information that should be retrieved in a certain fashion, organized in a certain way, and blah, blah, blah. So our company, of course, uses Jira. Therefore, we also use... Um, um, Confluence. Confluence, thanks. Uh, so 
when things are not current anymore, then they can be migrated or they should be migrated to Confluence. So we should have a space uh, in Confluence for each of our bigger projects where we can put, it's, it's even just links to other documents, but a place where the rest of the people, and this means people in the future and people outside of our current team in the present can have access to that information. They can search for it. Um, because one of the things that I found myself doing, for example, is that I keep asking questions. And that can come across, especially if you are the manager of someone, as controlling, right? From my perspective, and this is what I think, I hope <laughs> it made a difference. I shared my point of view. I, I don't have that information and I need that information mm -hmm. because if I have to represent the team somewhere else or if I am to make sure that we are doing our best to deliver what we are asked for, I need that information. And believe me, it's like, <laughs> I sound like my mother. I'm like, I don't want to interrogate people <laughs> about this, right? Um, but if I cannot find that information anywhere, I have to ask. Yeah. I give something to you, you give something back to me. So as long as I have this flow of information that I can pick from what I need and share it somewhere else or do something with it, I'm I'm fine. Uh, I'm not questioning necessarily what you are doing. You need to know that something is happening. Yeah. And I guess for a a team that is basically in the same time zone, so they're all more or less working at the same time, so you can get away with not doing as much of that. Yeah. But once you're distributed like that, I guess it becomes even more and more apparent that this is actually the way you need to document stuff and make it permanent in Absolutely. a somewhat organized fashion yeah i mean the shift from the office life to the remote office life was really eye-opening for that for our whole company there's a reason why most of our calendars as managers in 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 my company are looking daunting to say the least because we keep trying to have the same behavior that we had in the office like a lot of yeah. facetime right And, you know, I just drop at someone's desk. I was like, hey, listen, do you have a couple of minutes? And I'm not talking to to do this to engineers, um, like other people that have the same kind of schedule that I have. So uh, it's, it's normal to be interrupted. Or you are out of a meeting and you have a couple of conversations and, you know, like you talk about project X, Y, Z on the, on the side and stuff keep rolling, right? But once you are remote, you don't have access to people all the time. Then what do you do? Uh, you write them on Slack. Uh, you schedule a meeting uh, because you are not used to share information in any other fashion. Yeah, that's sort of the, the main fallacy that you try to just continue working like you did before instead of changing how you work because it's, it is just different and it just requires different setup. I mean, the bare... The worst thing that I complain about all the time is, is horrible microphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of the bare minimum yeah. that is required. And even that is sometimes not a thing that people think about. And then it's just, you even have that hurdle that you can't even understand mm -mm. the other person that you're talking to. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. True. 
But yeah, there there are also other there's other documentation, there's other things out there. I might put a few more links in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at that in some uh at some point. Uh I think there was this short PDF by uh Trello, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think it was sort of the jumping off point for me for some other things. I don't remember. Let me see what was the other one. Yeah, there's also by Zapier, but that's more of a free ebook, but that's more of a, a collection of blog posts. But I guess that's also not bad because it's sort of across multiple companies, not just from them, oh, that's but cool. from others as well. Um, so yeah, that, there's stuff out there. The main point is that it just works differently. You just have to understand that it's just... It's just not the same thing and you have to, to work differently. Yes, definitely. I'm still thinking about reorganizing uh, within the organization to have um, local teams in different time zones. But I, I guess you're at least at the point where you're already working remotely. Mm-hmm. So that's already the one hurdle taken, right? Because for, for other people, if you're just used to meeting in person it's just different you you can't just do the same meeting there either right you can't just say hey give me your feedback because that doesn't really work you need to have some kind of more structured way of having people enter their feedback somewhere in some yes. spreadsheet or some document because that i highly recommend also meeting minutes i know it sounds boring they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be a full-fledged protocol as if we were at NASA. Um, but write notes down for your sake and for the sake of the other people in the room. And if you want to be... So we, our co-worker in the US, he's very... He pushes very much towards ever basically having the meeting notes done before you even have the meeting. So that if you How don't... do that? I mean, you don't, you sort of roughly know what you're going to talk about. And then you basically write the stuff down beforehand, Ah, what your ideas are. And then everyone reads the stuff beforehand. And then the meeting is just shorter. I think that is very smart. And then you've moved more of the stuff into the async space. Let's call it like that, Mm -hmm. right? Because you say, I don't know, the document has to be ready so and so many hours before the meeting. And then people can read the stuff whenever they want to, basically. I I I have never tried it yet, but it's something that I definitely want to try because, I mean, again, it comes with the territory of being in presence that usually you don't, if you are lucky, you just have an agenda for the meeting. If you are having a meeting in presence, right? Because people are used yeah. to just get in and speak out loud. It's also faster in, in the end. Um but with remote setup and given how tiring it is to stay on camera the whole day, especially if you have a lot of meetings, I mean, in the end, you are getting into a room because you want to discuss and agree on something most of the times. I mean, if it's a status update, do you really need a meeting for a status update? Eh. Mm, yeah. uh, right? It's like, eh. Um, but if it's for a discussion or for a decision, Two things that might not happen in the same meeting, by the way. It's totally fine, in my opinion, to have two separate 
instances for this, you can move at least the preamble of the discussion to an async format. As you said, you just write your ideas down. And then when you read that, again, it requires discipline. You get into the room and you actually discuss about something. That's the interesting part, right? It's not only blurting your opinion. Um, yes, which you might then, which might then also not be entirely valid if you think about it a little bit more. Yes, <laughs> that's sort exactly. of the other the other side of it that you have more time to actually think about the topic. I mean, if you read many books on management and leadership, that's what they recommend in any case. Like before going into a meeting, you should have, I don't know, half an hour, fifteen minutes before. And this doesn't mean necessarily right before, but before the meeting where you sketch your ideas about what you want to say. (laughs) Yes. Do your meetings like your um, sessions at your uh, psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Um, I remember, you know, The Good Wife, the series? Yes. If you haven't, a few people haven't watched that. That's a very good series. I know it sounds like cheesy. It's like, oh, it's a procedural show with a female lead, blah, blah. She's broken hearted and shit. It's a very good series. Believe me. There's extreme growth in the characters. It's complex. It's fun. And it can be ruthless at times. Um, yes, there's also the cheesy part. But, you know. It's like that's... the t- last two seasons. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the last season. like. But I really like <laughs> the ending. Anyways. What I was trying to say is uh, there's this one episode in which one of the main characters has to prepare for a big, um, for a, I think it, it was a trial. Anyways, and he takes this piece of paper and he starts writing down exactly the sequence of questions and all the possible answers that you he could get to those questions. And then he would follow through the tree so that he could dissect the arguments and the counter arguments for his whole speech. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was brilliant. And that reminds me of something, I, if I'm not mistaken, Churchill was doing something like that because he was stuttering. So he had to prepare thoroughly for questions and answers. So he would, fundamentally, he would just go over and over his arguments so that he would know them as the back of their of his ends uh, and and just be able on the spot seemingly um to answer anybody's question you punch your idea until it becomes the best idea you can have and i mean not all meetings require that but especially imagine we're talking about a, an architectural design meeting like what do you want to have a shit idea or a good idea, right? So try to figure out why your idea is working and why it might not work, but why it should be still considered valid, for example. Um, so, yeah, that 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 kind of meeting where we talk about architects is basically where we do this the most. Yeah, where everyone can sort of bring their ideas, but you can't just talk about stuff on the spot. You have to put it on the agenda. And ideally write at least a few sentences and ideally not come up with a random idea, but also plan of how to, how to implement it. Mm, that's nice. Sometimes we don't 
hopefully do that. But then our colleague luckily reminds us <laughs> that's sort of his his thing that he uh, likes to do. And I, I, it is sometimes a bit tiring to do it, but in the end, it's just super, super helpful. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what it is about being disciplined. It, it's not fun, really. Most of the times it's not fun, but it really does help. It's like you have a training schedule for running your marathon. If you don't follow that, it's a pain in the ass, but if you don't follow that, you are never going to achieve your goal. Um, if you yeah. don't stick to your diet, you're never going to lose those five kilos after Christmas, right? Um, <laughs> I'm totally not talking about myself right now. <laughs> Was it that many cookies? Uh, oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's not it's not fun, but uh, there's a reason why uh, we as humans have been able to uh, build and do such amazing things because we struggle through the pain and we still endure and we do great things okay i guess we are we have more or less covered it the mm -hmm. topic as as far as we could today eric tell eric, us if that exactly. was yeah if yeah, that exactly. was good <laughs> yeah and let us know what what you decided to do in the end mm -hmm. that would be also be interesting uh where can people find you on the internet monica so they still can find me on Twitter at KFMolly with an I and on GitHub near night. Dev2, I haven't been writing in a while. Maybe if as soon as I get my hands back on advents of code, uh, I'll, I'll share some other mishap of mine. Um, <laughs> of course, at our email as hosts at expandingbeyond.it. Yes, we would love to have more questions, of course. And you can find me on Twitter as well as UJH, where I basically only reply to Monica or <laughs> post stuff for her to see, it seems, these days. Um, and you can also find me on GitHub as UJH. And that's basically what it is. And if you like this podcast, you can sort of help us out by either telling a friend of yours that he yes, should please. give it a listen. And you can also, of course, rate us and review us on your favorite podcasting app or iTunes, whatever works for you. That would be lovely. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Monica, for this lovely conversation again. Thank you for having me and uh, getting me into this adventure. I think, it, seriously, it has been one of the highlights of my year. I really love to be here. Yes, it was the perfect year to start something like this, wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> Definitely, we're not going to go anywhere during the weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, we can maintain the schedule. You see, we didn't need the backup episodes in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we also don't have any. Yeah. We, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So thank you all for listening to us. And we wish you a Merry Christmas. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.